And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It's Thursday, July 28th. Derek Van Riper, Eno Saris. I'm shook by the uh, intro video not launching when it was supposed to for the, <laughs> the YouTube version of the show. So tech issues almost certain to follow given that hot start that we're off to. But on this episode, we're going to take a look at some players who are likely to be moved to the trade deadline and then look at the depth charts behind those players to find out who those winners and you know significant playing time risers might ultimately be because the unique timing of this year's trade deadline puts us in a position where we can actually pursue those players on Sunday in a lot of leagues. They could be big winners playing time-wise between Monday and Tuesday, deadline 6 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday, and we, as a group of fantasy players, could actually end up saving a lot of fab if we can, with some accuracy, predict who these winners are going to be. So what do you think our success rate could be at something like this, you know? Two to five percent. Yeah, that seems about right. Also, I think the reward uh, is not substantial. In many cases, <laughs> I think you're right. I think if you play in mono leagues and in deeper mixed leagues, there's a little more there. This list we created, there's one name that I'm kind of excited about. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned for the whole hour as we give you one name <laughs> really? that might help you. Really? Really? Oh, man, we teased that one well. Yeah, we really did. There's other stuff to talk about, too. The Mike Trout injury. There's an Andrew Benintendi trade, which is kind of what led us to start down this path. So Andrew Benintendi on the move. He goes to the Yankees. I just have a quick Benintendi question for you. Do you have interest in him in some shallow leagues where he wasn't previously rostered because of the lack of homers and steals? Even though the slash line's been really good, he's been very productive as an offensive player. I think you could probably find him on the wire in some at least 10-team leagues out there, especially leagues that only start three outfielders, moving into a much more hitter-friendly environment as a left-handed bat, especially how much more power are you expecting from Benintendi and how does that change his shallow league appeal? You know, he he changed his approach because of the park. So I think there's at least, I don't know, like a 25 to 30% chance that he actually changes his approach back again to go, to go for power because it's a more power-friendly park and then he's got that short porch there. Like it, there's some intention in what he's done. And so why can't he change that intention to now try to pull the ball hard in the air? You know, uh, I would say if he continues the way he's going, you'd expect one or two more homers. Not a big deal. Um, however, there's this outside chance, this little this little sliver of a chance that he now decides that it's time to sell out for power or, or at least try to pull the ball in the air more. That's exciting. And then the real uh, reason that I would pick him up uh, in those shallower leagues is runs in RBI. Uh, I think, you know, the, when I wrote the piece uh, saying, you know, here are the, the budget alternatives, Van Intendi was the budget alternative to Juan Soto. And the reason he was in the, in the conversation was Ben Attendee had the second or third best projected on base percentage among the players available at the deadline. So I would assume that the Yankees install him near the top of the order. So runs an RBI plate appearance chances with runners on base, a little bit outside chance of, of altering that approach and hitting for more power. I think it's a, it's a good day for Andrew Ben and as I understand it, the three prospects going back the other way are really not like impact fantasy players anytime soon. So you're not really going to get a whole lot of keeper and dynasty league value uh, out of immediately picking up any of those players. If you're going to pick up one, Beck Way is the pitcher that I think has the, has the most appeal. I have to talk to Keith Law a little bit on Thursday morning for the Athletic Baseball Show. So there's your your sleeper if there is one, but I would heavily emphasize the if there is one, the Royals playing the volume game here, trying to get a few arms into that system. More interestingly, I think, is the situation 
that Benintendi leaves behind at the big league level. Now I think we see a lot more Kyle Isbell. He's been really up and down the last couple seasons with the Royals. I think they owe it to themselves to see if he can at least be a big side platoon player. I think it's possible he gets a chance to face some same-handed pitching if the Royals also move Michael Taylor because you could see Kyle Isbell and Edward Olivares once he's back from the IL both in the lineup on a regular basis which is something that just was not happening at all prior to this deadline yeah you know here's a player that has by Fangraph's estimation 40 present game power and also 50 raw power and that's something you can see when you look at his max EV with a 111 that's above average and his barrel rate is uh, decidedly below average. Um, uh, you know, I think that Royals hitting coaching is not necessarily as far behind as their pitching coaching. Uh, sometimes it takes uh, all it takes is uh, an extended chance where they don't feel like they're going to get sent down if they have a bad week for them to start, you know, trying their A swing out more. You know, you're going to use your B swing and try to get on base more if you're just trying to impress, the, you know, the manager and stay up. Uh, but, uh, you know, eventually he needs to hit for more power to be more interesting. No, you know, the numbers hew closer, the projections hew closer to barrel rate because that's more predictive, but the max EV says there's a little bit more to him. I think if he was given a full chance, you know, and, you know, and, and hit his upside, uh, it's a guy who could hit 250, 260 with, uh, you know, 15, 15 or even 20, 20. Uh, but he really does need to unlock more of that raw power, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily likely. But anybody who steals bases uh, is useful for uh, for you know the deeper leagues right now. And then once he gets healthy, he's got a quad strain right now. Edward Olivares should get uh, finally someday a chance. Uh, I mean, he feel like he's the the five option guy every year, where he goes up and down five times. Um, but you know, he's an interesting guy because. And we had a, we had a term for this, and it's going to come up against later. I get a little bit of a, a Joey Wendell type vibe from him uh, because he's around average or better than average in walk rate, strikeout rate, speed. Uh, you know, has the potential to be around average in power. hasn't necessarily shown it yet, but he's 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 right there. Um, so you know, he's an all around guy that doesn't really have a carrying tool or a standout facet that. Uh, that you know screams at you but another guy who could hit 260 hit you know 15 homers and steal 10 bases in a full year if he was given a chance Um, and uh, so you know these are two names with some stolen bases attached that should get more of a chance now especially because I think Michael Taylor uh, is not that exciting but there are teams that need some defense in center field and uh, to be able to add, I think, uh, Michael Taylor on your bench, right-handed outfielder uh, that can play center for you, I think there's going to be uh, a team that will jump at that. So I would assume that Olivares and Isbell finally get everyday chances at some point this season. And worst-case scenario, if the Royals didn't trade Michael Taylor, he's under contract for 2023, they would probably use him more like a small side platoon player, play him a bit less to get a look at some younger players for the future, because you have to figure out what kind of role will Isbell have in the future? What kind of role will Olivares have in the future? How do you make these pieces fit in 2023 and beyond? I think based on the ceilings you mentioned, it seemed like your ceiling for Isbell was just a little bit higher than Olivares. So if you were in a deep mix keeper league trying to just find some future value, would you prioritize Isbell ahead of Olivares if they were both available? Yeah, I mean, Isbell's hit the ball 111, and Olivares has not done that yet. Olivares has tapped into his barrel rate a little bit more, but I almost find that meaningless when you're comparing these types of samples and you're talking about Olivares has a 6% barrel rate and Isbell has like a four and a half five. You know, it's like neither one of them stands out on that. Um, I think Olivares might make a little bit more contact, but Isbell is just, I, th- I think, a little bit more athletic and more capable of center field, um, which I think is meaningful here. Let's tear down the Cubs roster because I think that's <laughs> a lot of fun. It's about to happen. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, we already saw the hug ceremony from Wilson Contreras. Uh, yeah. a little, almost a little awkward, but it's kind of the way things go uh, at this point. People just know sometimes they're going to be traded. We don't know where Wilson Contreras is going to go. Uh, if 
they keep Jan Gomes, I think Jan Gomes becomes more interesting for fantasy purposes. But if they also trade Jan Gomes, I don't think they necessarily have a catcher that you want to roster. I don't think P.J. Higgins is all that interesting. But I think the, the Ian Happ possibility uh, is kind of interesting because that that opens up outfield playing time. And there's a lot of different ways that playing time could be distributed. So is there anybody in the depths of the Cubs roster that you think is interesting, either at AAA or possibly on, on the bench right now in the big leagues that would play more if they find a, a deal that works for Hap? I, you know, Nelson Velasquez is playing uh, and nearly every day, but it's a, it's a, it's a, you know a pinch hit appearance, a pinch runner appearance. Uh, you know, center field, left field. Uh, you know, it's it's they seem hesitant to press go fully. Uh, maybe because he's a right-hander. Maybe because he strikes out too much. Uh, maybe because he's you know there, he wasn't a top prospect. Um, you know, maybe because the hit tool isn't there, but the power is there. Uh, the power is there. He's here's a guy who's hit the ball 111 and in a small sample has the 15% barrel rate and also in the minor leagues has the slugging rates that you expect from a guy with real power. So if you're just chasing power uh, with a with a couple steals, I think he'll. I mean, he they used him as a pinch runner recently. You know, like he's a he's got some speed. I think Nelson Velasquez is the guy who's going to get a chance. Yeah, a lot of swing and miss that we've seen in the upper levels of the the minors for Nelson Velasquez. But as we've seen, Patrick Wisdom is probably a good example of this within the same organization. They're not afraid of it. They're not afraid of it when it comes down to giving someone who can barrel the ball an opportunity. So that might be something that does open up the door for Nelson Velasquez. I was also wondering, you know, on the pitching side, if Marcus Stroman could be moved. We're seeing some other names pop up on the starting pitcher market because of slides from the Red Sox and the Giants, right? Nathan Evaldi and Carlos Rodon might actually get moved. That didn't look like it was going to happen just a few weeks ago. Stroman has an opt-out after 2023. He just signed with the Cubs this offseason. It was three years, $71 million. He's been hurt this year a bit. But I would think the Cubs would be willing to flip him if there is a team interested in trading for him. And given the number of teams that want starting pitching, I think that market actually exists. The, the weird thing with the Cubs, and this is true of most teams that would possibly trade established starting pitching, they don't necessarily have good starting pitching waiting for an opportunity. Most teams don't have that. But we could get another look at Caleb Killian if the Cubs move a starter, and maybe even if they don't. Uh, I'm not waiting with bated breath. <laughs> um, I, I also just think Strowman's profile is not one that most uh, teams are chasing right now. Um, and it's it's not completely clear to me. I, I, you know, there's this line where years of team control becomes a contract you want to offload. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think he's under his contract is underwater. But I don't necessarily think of it as an asset, so I'm not I'm not sure that teams would be like, oh, we can get him for this year and we'll pencil him for next year, when you know his results right now are only okay and he's not like a frontline guy. Um, so I, I kind of doubt he'll get traded, but I do think the bullpen will be raided. Mm -hmm. uh, David Robertson, uh, you know, has already been linked to New York and. Uh, I think eight other teams. So yeah, you know, he's he's going to go. I, I'd be tempted to just hand the ball to Michael Givens, but then he might go too. Um, and if Michael Givens goes, um, I guess uh, maybe it's Eve Ross. Let me see here. You got to do what you got to do is you got to look over the last sort of fourteen days on the Cubs. And uh, among the relievers, and you got to look for holds. Uh, that's part. That's step one. So the holds have gone to Roan Wick and Scott Efros. The pitching plus model says Efros has bad stuff, but good command. Uh, and Rowan Wick has good stuff and good command. So I'm gonna give the ball to Rowan Wick if 
if David Robertson and Michael Gibbons leave town. Leave town. Yeah, I think both of those guys will get traded. I think Chris Martin would also be a name that could get flipped too, just if you're looking for veterans that there's no real reason why you'd assume the Cubs would hold none of those players. I think that's a possibility. This other team that's kind of clearly selling but doesn't necessarily have a lot of internal talent, Cincinnati. Right, Brandon Drury should be one of the more versatile bats that is available at this deadline. I want to say Jose Barrero could play a lot more. He's not been great at AAA this year. It's kind of strange given how well he played at the same level last year. Those samples are kind of similar in size. I wonder if, if health is a factor of just missing a lot of time with injury this year. If Barrero's still not 100% healthy or for a good part of this year he wasn't. Power is really departed and the strikeout rate is just just leapt. Yeah, 38.3% this year after he struck out 22% of the time at that level a season ago. So it's been strange. He's got power. He's got speed. I would assume they'd give him a shot if they had room almost anywhere. But who else could the Reds turn to if they move some combination of Drury, Tommy Pham, and even Tyler Naquin? I have. Uh, we have. Some, we made some pre-show notes, and um, the, this is maybe one of the sadder parts of the pre-show notes it, it, it says it just says fraley friedel almora and then a sad face emoticon oh yeah you do have a sad face in there. <laughs> but jake fraley uh jake fraley i think is the guy that is most fancy friendly and i think just honestly uh, somebody that i would give the biggest chance to because here's a guy that i think could play center um, you know, I'd or I'd want to know if he can play center because he's played it off and on, you know, his whole career. I'd want to just hand the ball to Fraley and say, "Dude, you're healthy. We need a center fielder. You're a lefty that really gets on base with the best of them. You know, can you unlock some of that power? Can you be the the person that you know Zips projects him to be?" 13% better than league average and, you know, show decent defense uh, and and do something that would translate to 25-20 with uh, homers and steals over a full season. So that's the guy I'm most interested in, particularly in OBP leagues. And uh, I think that could happen no matter what happens, you know? I think they could they could just decide you know Naquin's not really part of our future, uh, Almora is a uh, you know a fourth outfielder probably by true talent, wherever it is in the outfield we're just going to give the ball to Fraley. It's weird that a lot of the players that get these opportunities, guys that are 25, 26, 27 years old, they offer a little bit of speed. A, a lot of them could be. Players that steal 8, 10, 12 bases maybe over two months if they end up in everyday roles. And it, it, to me, it feels like the last chance to really find someone that could be a difference maker in the category because it's the last big playing time shift barring a surprising injury to a regular where one player like this comes in and takes all the playing time. I would assume that a lot of these players stick around because they have the athleticism and they can do something at the plate, either walk or not strike out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so the reason they're hanging around and the reason people finally give them a chance is to see what the power, true talent power looks like, right? And power might be something that develops late or just they need to fill out, they need to get bigger, whatever it is, they need to see more pitcher people. So it's like there's that one missing thing that could unlock uh, their a chance. I mean, like Connor Joe, uh, was a guy that has some athleticism, was hanging around, um, you know, had some some speed, you know, um, had the on base, and the question was what the power would look like. Now he's getting the the long term shot this year, and he's not really showing the power, but at least uh, all the other things have made him about a league average player. Um, and so, you know, I think I think of Connor Joe when I think of Jake Fraley, you know. Um, and there's something similar about both of them. So uh, I think I think Fraley's uh, one of the, even sad face emoticon aside. I think he's one of the more interesting um, guys on this list. Oh, and look, they have Michael Papierski. How did he end up in on the Reds from the Giants? 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to talk about Baltimore for a second. We don't know who exactly moves they could trade. Trey Mancini, they may just hold them because they don't get a good offer. Uh, Anthony Santander has a few years of control left. It seems like he's a possibility to get traded. If a spot for a regular bat opens up, it's probably somewhere in a corner. So who could step up there if Here's you create a spot? My name that I like the most on our podcast today. Mr. Kyle Stowers, come on down. He's already had a chance in the major leagues. He's been to AAA. He has basically smashed the ball wherever he's been. Uh, Lefty with good on-base skills. Not great contact skills, but a lot of power. Uh, I think you say, let's uh, get some of the kinks out of the way uh, so that we get the best version of Kyle Stowers when we're ready to go. I think it, you know, the clock has already started. He's already used an option year. Let's get him in there and let's uh, play, have him play every day and, and start making the adjustments he needs to make at the major league level. I don't think there's that much left for him to do at the minor league level. You know who Kyle Stowers is as a player uh, in terms of a, a comparable, like more highly regarded prospect that just came up? He's basically J.J. Blade. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a slightly better version of J.J. Blade as a better... Better speed grade, according to fan graphs. Maybe a little less present hit tool, but looking across the board, lefty, corner outfielder, power first, hit tool maybe. like That's kind of the profile I'm expecting from Stowers. Yeah, yeah. Blade has the chance to to strike out less. I mean, he's, he's shown that in, in, at some of his stops, but uh, not too far off. Um, I think Stowers is actually worth getting excited about. Might be worth... Even in NFBC formats, um, you you don't want to put too much money down because what if they stand pat and he's still in the minor leagues, you know? So I think I'd keep it under five bucks, which is not very much oh, yeah. out of a out of a thousand. But put two bucks on him, put three bucks on him, you know? It's one of those like it's like a scratcher. You can only do that with one or two roster spots this time of year, but this is the time of year to think about it. If you have enough health across the rest of your roster, pick your spots, take your chances, and try and find some surplus value on the cheap. Because if you wait a week and Stowers ends up getting promoted because of the trade, he's going to be 50 to $70 potentially, especially if he comes up, hits a few homers in the series leading into the next fab run. Uh, The bullpen here is one of the spots where you could also see a closer move. I know Britt has suggested... Jorge Lopez would make a lot of sense, even if they're still playing for this year. We already saw them move relievers earlier in the year. Tanner Scott going to Miami. Uh, so you you, know, you look at the the makeup of this roster, and you think about Felix Bautista, someone who's really popped in the pitching model all season long. There's a chance Bautista is getting some saves, maybe all the saves for the Orioles, if they do in fact move Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I like Dylan Tate some too, but uh, if uh, Bautista has the the holds and he's uh, you know also I think number one in stuff plus in the entire big leagues, uh, so I, I think uh, I think they've got their guy in place, and I think that it's nice to have Dylan Tate. That means it's more likely you trade Jorge Lopez because you have Dylan Tate and Chandler. Per- I don't know how to say his name, Chandler Perez. Um, you have Perez and Tate behind Bautista so you still have like a you know the chance at a working bullpen um and uh you could you could benefit from that uh, back to Stowers real quick is there uh anybody on that level or anybody that 
uh, you're, you you would put in that category of put a dollar or two on them in NFPC. I think maybe Olivares, I, I wish he was healthy. Isbell, they'd be behind Stowers for me. Fraley would be, I think, behind Stowers, although maybe more likely to just get the chance. Velazquez is, is also similar to, to Stowers. I'd go Stowers over Velasquez, though. You, Velasquez needs a trade to happen, I think. Stowers does, too. That's the one nice thing about Fraley. He might not need a trade to happen. It might just happen anyway. So they're all, I think those are actually all interesting names. I might just put a dollar on all of them and see which one I get. Right. One big list, though. You're only picking up one. You're not picking up multiples in, in many situations. Again, focusing more on mixed leagues. Talking about mono leagues. Okay. Take more shots in a mono league because. Finding playing time is really difficult to do. The players you're dropping in many of those cases are guys that don't play at all, or they're even stuck in the minors uh, in plenty of those instances. I do have a name that uh, is on this level, and maybe first in the group. Let's fly on over to Pittsburgh. Oh, back to Pittsburgh. Is there anything standing out to you in on this depth chart that wasn't already interesting? Like uh, Jack Sawinski... That's what I'm saying. That's has the, the name. cheap power. He's in the minors. He'll come back up as soon as they trade Ben Gamble. I don't think they trade Brian Reynolds, but I think they could trade Ben Gamble. Yeah, I I think I like Sawinski maybe a little less than Stowers. 14 homers already in 250 plate appearances this season. But What do you want from Stowers? You want cheap power. What did Swinsky already showed you? Cheap power. Both maybe are a little less not, swing and miss. Yeah, both are not going to give you a bit, big batting average, though, I don't think. I don't think there's anybody on here who's going to do give you everything. Unless Fraley no. just gets super hot and lucky with the batting average. Fraley's probably a low average power speed guy. I kind of think Fraley has the most... Fraley and Isbell have the most ways of making positive value for you. That's true. That's true. So I think they're probably a little a little ahead of, of the, the masher types. But Velasquez will, will steal some bases too. It's really hard to to separate all these guys, actually. I mean, Stowers in like a keeper league, if there's if you're like in a keeper league where someone could play their way into keepers, like 10, 15 keepers or dynasty type, then Stowers is the obvious, obvious guy. And I think that's why I still have him first, because I have that sort of prospect unknown potential could just just run with it feeling from him. But then behind him is this group where Swinsky, Velasquez, they're kind of similar mashers, but Velasquez steals a little bit. Fraley and Isbell are both Homer, Homer, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. You know, if you need the speed, I would, I would kind of, uh, I would look more in the Fraley Isbell category than than anywhere else. Oakland has Ramon Laureano and, and Sean Murphy as two really good position players they could move. But the problem I see is that you're. You're talking about maybe Shea Langoliers and Christian Pache. Pache has really struggled against big league pitching so far, so I don't know if there's anything beyond AL-only sort of appeal with Pache. And if they wait on Langoliers, then you're probably looking at someone like Austin Allen, who can mash for a second catcher. And maybe because of where he'd hit in the order, I could justify that as a pickup in like a 15-team mixed league, but... The problem in Oakland is the quality of the replacements. I think the thing that could be could be good about both Loriano and Sean Murphy is that they could return players who are big league ready at other positions. That's that's part of what makes trading them appealing. And that's literally how Oakland works. So in fact, you know, uh, talking about who might come up on the Athletics is kind of irrelevant because a they don't really have good prospects. And B, they're they're going to trade for the prospects, and you know it's like the Kevin Smith situation. They're going to trade for guys who are you know have popped up recently, uh, who who are ready for the big leagues, and so they'll probably just insert all the guys that they get for Loriano if they trade Loriano. Now, will they trade Loriano? I mean, he's still under contract for next year. He's not too expensive yet, but I, <laughs> I know that Roman Loriano wants to be traded. <laughs> I talked to him about it extensively last night. He's ready to leave. He's ready to move saying. on. Yeah, that's what he said. That uh, I, I sort of pointed to the to the lockers and I said, like, "What's it like just to be on a team where like who are these people? Uh, new <laughs> teammates know? almost every day." And he said, uh, "He said there's no one here, man. It's not a big league situation. 
He said, <laughs> and I was like, it's on purpose, right? And he's like, yeah, it's on purpose. And then he, and then he said, uh, I've been getting into caffeine. That's what I've been trying. More and more caffeine. <laughs> and that's what he said he's been doing to counteract uh, the fact there's no fans at the parks. And so I, apparently he's been like carrying around an espresso machine and he travels with it now. And so he's... He's he's downing triple espressos before the game to try and to try and make up for the lack of fans. So and then I, I said something about Milwaukee and he's like, Oh, you know you know what happens in Milwaukee? One hundred mile per hour, thirty degree launch angle balls, they actually go out. Yeah. They do. <laughs> it's amazing. He says, That doesn't happen here. So uh I, I think, you know, people look at Loriano um, without the sort of knowledge or without thinking of the park and say, he's a guy who's sitting 224 with 10 homers, not that exciting. But I do think his power could take a real lurch forward if he went to the right place. And there is something to like about him going to Milwaukee. Like, for example, I know you like Tyrone Taylor a little bit, but what if you just traded Tyrone Taylor for Ramon Loriano? Yeah, you're probably sending back some minor leaguers too, but that's that's what would happen. You look at Taylor and say, hey, wait a minute. Now he joins our group of outfielders who might not be playing in your mixed league right now who could play in your mixed league with more playing time, even though the situation gets worse. Playing time situation gets better. You know what's weird about Oakland? Kevin Smith is still stuck at AAA, and he's not hitting. He mm-hmm. tore up that level. He was 44% better than a league average hitter last year. And yes, AAA pitching was down last year. He's he still has not right homered. Now. Yeah, he's he's played 32 games at AAA, I think it's Vegas. No homers. And Vegas is a is a good place to homer. Weird. So weird to be as good as he was last year. It's a new park, right? Yeah, I haven't seen park factors for the new park in Vegas. Uh is it a new park? Or is it a remodeled old park? Oh, it's a remodeled old park, but I think they changed the dimensions. Uh, he has a 22 WRC+. Plus. Oh. I thought he was going to be good, like really good. I thought he was going to power speed, everyday role for the A's. I thought he'd finish the year as the starting shortstop. It's been a terrible year I for Kevin Smith. I think there's an underrated uh, problem in, in Oakland is the poor coaching, poor player development. And they've got some 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 people that are good you know, at the major league level, uh, but I think they failed to invest in the structure in the minor leagues. And I'm shocked. Shows. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely shocked that they would this not my in, shock invest phase. in a structure. <laughs> yeah, that but is I don't, what Oakland's all about. I don't have any notes here for Oakland because of that fact, really. No. Uh, other situations. I mean, trying to find other positives. Who else, as you went diving through these various depth charts, uh, stood out? There was one name in in D.C. that we've never talked about in this show. Josh Palacios, yeah. a speedy outfielder. If you think back to last season when the Cubs made a bunch of trades and Rafael Ortega started playing a lot more, he took advantage of that playing time, carved out a role for this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of profile that Josh Palacios has. So if, if the door opens, and it probably will, it could be you know Nelson Cruz trade and just a floating DH. That creates a spot where they maybe move Yadiel Hernandez over to DH more often, and then Palacios plays in the outfield. Suddenly, he's at least getting a big side platoon role, but he could be an everyday guy that quickly bumps Victor Robles back to the bottom of the order. I know they're leading off Victor Robles. Thank you for tweeting at me, by the way, everybody, every time something (laughs) happens with Victor Robles. Really appreciate the updates. We know that's not going to last. So, yeah, I think Josh Palacios could end up being one of those those names that comes out of nowhere to have some appeal for us here down the stretch. Yeah, and you know, he's I think almost throwing a Joey Wendell on him is not is not a- appropriate. He's shown at various stops the ability to have an above average walk rate, an above average strikeout rate and contact rate, a, an above average speed and above average defense. Now the question is power. That has only popped a few times in small samples. So I would not really bet on the power. Uh, but, and that, that, you know, not having power is something that's, that sort of strips away your, a chance to hit for a good batting average. So I know he's hitting 306 in AAA right now, projections 250, 230. I, you know, he looks speedy enough to me that I think he could get up to 260, 270 if he has a 100 ISO. 
Um, but he has to have at least a 100 ISO and isolated slugging percentage. You know, the major league average is like 170 or something. Um, it might be down to 160 with the new ball, but uh, he'll have below average power. But, uh, you know, put him on the list uh, with Fraley uh, in that Fraley Isbell. Do you do you have a do you have one that you like better than the rest? Still probably Isbell of, of the bunch. He's the number one priority of the bunch. I think he's going to cost you a little bit more. A lot of these other names because the trades haven't happened yet. You know, they'll actually be min-bid players. Isbell might take 22 out of 1,000 or 33 out of 1,000. Some, something that's above a, a 1% bid, but not way above a 1% bid. Because he's he's been bad enough when given those chances where people, I think, have lost have lost some of their optimism. Yeah, and what's nice about him is he's had more chances in Palacio, so like there's more chance for him to have made adjustments and like have a plan this time, you know, understand what it takes and 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 take and take it and run with it. Whereas Palacios may just be overwhelmed again, you know, it may just be his first chance, and you know, he did have like a cup of coffee with Toronto last year, but you know, and then Fraley is actually on the opposite end where this is we're getting closer to last chance saloon, you know, like he's had many chances and he's been okay. And someone just needs to sort of believe in him. Um, so I, I, I think I might have fairly first, but, um, if you wanted to have a separate power and speed sort of FAB thread, uh, I would probably go Stowers, Sawinski, Velazquez on the power side. And I would probably go Fraley, Isbell, Palacios on the speed side. The other thing we have to keep in mind is you can imagine, think back to the time, I think it was the Zach Greinke trade that put Josh Rojas in Arizona. You could take a player who's really blocked in the minor leagues with his current organization, put him on a team like Oakland or plenty of other teams that are are trying to find value for the future, and those players might be the big winners. It might be someone that you're not even thinking about on the depth chart of the team that's trading away a good player. So that's definitely something that we'll we'll be watching as we're going to have our, our live stream, as I mentioned at the end of the 3-0 show. We have a live stream for the trade deadline going down at 6 Eastern, just before 6 Eastern, coming up on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll dig into these names as the opportunities open up. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit hard to ideate on those guys because they have to be in the trade. So it's like kind of, but like it's like the Miguel maybe, Andujar, but it's it's Miguel players Andujar, like that. Esturi Ruiz, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's a little bit of that. Dominic Smith now is kind Dominic of falling into this Smith. trap. Doesn't have a spot, but some other team might say, "We're playing you. We think you can hit. We think you're good. So we're trading for you." And the Dodgers have someone that's. I mean, Miguel Vargas is. He's not really the same thing we're talking about. That's he's more a, like prospect. a prospect. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, so who who else could use a center fielder like Loriano? Center fielders. I've got I've got the Brewers in the bottom as contenders. The Phillies. Yep, Phillies have needed a center oh. fielder for a while. So they send Veerling. Yeah. Veerling's already playing a decent bit though, right? I mean he's moving around a lot too. That's been the surprise for me. But you know, seventy seven WRC plus he has hit the ball hard by Max EV. The barrel rate's boring, but the contact rate is good. I could totally see the Phillies trading Matt Vierling. It wouldn't be the centerpiece as part of a part of a group to get Loriano. I think that would actually make sense for them. They've been looking for a center fielder. I think the A's would, would jump all over that. Hey, we got a guy that's making the league minimum that can play all over the place. Yeah, uh, let's, yeah. let's get him back as part of the trade. Uh, who else on uh, in center field is in the bottom half of the, uh, the Rays? I don't think that's the answer. Uh, I, can't, I don't know. I mean, they could do the thing where they trade for him and flip him again. Mm, nah, that's not that's uh, not necessary in this case. Uh, and then by the time you get to uh, oh the Astros trade trade back for their they're guy. getting by fine with without you know without a. a clear-cut everyday center fielder so far, but that's a spot they could upgrade. I think they, yeah. I, th- I think what you could do is because Myers uh, was hurt and, you know, his his power numbers are down, I think you could do something where you temporarily demote Myers and you trade like a Chaz McCormick uh, to, the, uh, to the A's plus pieces for Loriano. 
that mm-hmm. that fits this uh, that fits our scenario where you got a guy who's uh, you know 27 and playing pretty well, but you know they the, the Astros would maybe see Loriano as an upgrade. There's an outside chance there. And I'm not, and again, I'm not saying Chaz McCormick is the centerpiece of the deal. I'm just saying he's the major leaguer that could play in Oakland after the deal is is consummated. Anything else that uh, stands out to you as far as players that could pop with an opportunity? It seems like we've covered a ton of ground so far. The one place we haven't gone yet is Arizona, and we had a whole we had a whole podcast about Arizona and Arizona like teams on the three O pod had this this week about teams where it's kind of hard to tell exactly what they're going to do now I, I mean i think for sure they're i think they've got they've got to trade david peralta like there's no sure. reason to keep him around at all they have a zero percent chance of making the playoffs and they've got tons of outfielders and i think they would give a chance uh an everyday chance to jake mccarthy they're kind of already doing that he's kind of like the dh right now uh, right. But maybe uh, Pavin Smith, uh, when he gets back uh, from the from the disabled list, it's a fractured right wrist, though. So Dominic Fletcher is the name. He's the guy. That's, that's your guy. He's, you, you he's like your this bridge guy. guy. You like uh, this guy. It's not the it's not the profile that I get excited about. It's just more of a this is the dude that has put up decent numbers in the minors. He doesn't hit for a lot of power. He doesn't steal bases. No so he's prospect not a evaluator very likes good, him. <laughs> not a good fantasy player other than the playing time could just be there. Well, he's hit for average everywhere he's been, and the batting average is pretty good, and the and the plate discipline is good. So there's, a, there's an outside chance he hits for an okay average and okay power. But, yeah, it seems more like a kind of a monoleague situation. Yeah, that's exactly where I think the interest would be capped for me if it is, in fact, Fletcher. So I just look at that situation, and I'm I'm really excited about Corbin Carroll. We're going to have a ton of conversations about him for 2023 during draft season because I think he can be on the opening day roster and he can be an impact guy next year. I'd be very surprised if they started giving him big league plate appearances in the final two months of this season. Pleasantly surprised, but surprised nonetheless. Uh, you know, I might put Jake McCarthy uh, in one of my threads. I'm not, not sure he'd be number one, uh, but there's a there's an interesting collection of of skills here. Six percent bail rate is slightly above average. He stole 11 bases in the minors last year, and he's he's stolen as much as uh, 29 bases. Uh, no, 32 across all levels in 2021. So the guy with speed, the guy with patience. Uh, the contact rate and the power rate go up and down, but he's barreled some balls so far this year. He's a really interesting guy to watch because he almost has like a Kyle Tucker uh, stance at the plate or Cody Bellinger where he's like super, super erect, I guess is the word. Uh, and then he kind of gets... Upright. Use the word upright <laughs> in place. Jeez. <laughs> anyway... Uh, and then he gets into a regular hitting position. Uh, Jake McCarthy, I think, um, is without knowledge of a Fletcher, uh, and, and also just the fact that he's playing right now uh, is an interesting pickup in, in the deeper leagues. Yeah, already has a role, less of a leap of faith, and I think the Peralta trade is basically a certainty at this point. I think there's plenty of teams that could use him as an upgrade, as a corner option. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Ever try to break a bad habit and feel like you're climbing Everest in flip-flops? We've all been there. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. It's not about giving up. It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. 
Start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash barrels, getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use our code barrels to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash barrels to save 10% off the journey pack today. Should we talk about the Mike Trout situation for a moment? I've seen, uh, you know, kind of lobbies on both sides of like, oh, God, this is the end and this is such a tragic moment. And then Jeff Flesher tweeted yesterday that, you know, he talked to Mike Trout and he's like, I'm fine. This is something I have to manage. I, it's From what I understand, it's not the David Wright situation where his spine was getting worse over time. I think it's just sort of like a, it's like a chronic back thing. It's like, it is maybe why he'll leave the game, but it's not he's going to leave the game this year. You know, Right. That's my interpretation of what we know so far, too. Right? It's called costovertebral dysfunction. And I, I was talking about this on the Athletic Baseball show. I don't think I've ever actually seen that as an injury before. And I've written up injuries for players in all major sports for about what 15 was years. Like spond- spondylosis or something. Yeah, and then there was the Prince Fielder. He had a, a fusion, I think, of the vertebrae. Like that was I mean, that was a major surgery. That doesn't seem to be on the table for Trout right now. So that seems pretty different. This almost seems almost more like back and ribs together, just based on the way it was initially reported. And I start thinking of stuff like thoracic outlet syndrome or mm. conditions more like that. Which, again, with the proper treatment, rehab, or management, a feeling like almost like that when you strain your oblique, so he has some like pain when he turns. That's not good because baseball is a rotational sport. A lot of torque. The 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 thing that I see in his profile that's I think that is true if you look over the last few years is when the angels fall out of it, you may lose Mike Trout. Well that's gonna happen every single year. They're not uh, a good organization, right? Uh, I mean, that's. I think that's the risk with Mike Trout. You get him for a good first halves, and then the second half depends on how he feels and how the Angels are doing. I think it also it reduces the likelihood, whatever the chances were of Mike Trout being traded. You know, some teams saying, "Yeah, it's fine. We love Mike Trout. We'd love to have him. We don't care. We'll take on the big contract." Those chances are. Closer to zero now they were already because pretty, of this. Pretty close they were low. The, the if, they contract, were, if it was yeah. 5% before, it's like 1% now yeah. or less than 1% now. And I just think it's going to force the Angels to do better as an organization. With uncertainty around Mike Trout long term, everything else they do as an organization has to get better. Otherwise, they will never find a way to win. It'll, it, they, they need to do this even with a healthy Trout. Now it just pushes them even further in that direction. They're going to sign Carlos Rodon to like a massive contract. This is what happens. They, they, their, their owner is always like shiny bauble, need the new thing. We haven't paid for a pitcher. We got a time, time to pay for a pitcher. Yeah. So you think they're going to do that. Now at the deadline, Noah Syndergaard moves. They are firmly in the don't have enough starting pitchers as it is group. Again, not alone among teams that are trading pitchers away. More consistency from Chase Silseth in terms of his role is probably something that would happen with that. Uh, the the other part Waddle of all this likes him enough. I, I you know I if if he gets a chance, Chase, I would give him uh, a look. Uh, it says he basically above average in in all three facets of the game. So the comp I saw it was a, it was just a Twitter graphic that came up last night. I was just doing a Mike Trout search looking for the news. So I apologize. I don't remember whose handle this was originally made by but it was comparing mike trout side by side to frank thomas through the first like nine ten years of their respective careers and it's pretty amazing to look at the production and i think we maybe underrate frank thomas a little bit in hindsight i mean obviously the era oh he was he was one of my favorites i just i just loved the like he was like the 300 400 500 guy you know like uh just had the, the cleanest batting approach it was so good it's, but it's also a kind of a good reminder. Like Trout's a large human. Frank Thomas was obviously a large human as well. And players, like these big players, these superstars that could play multiple sports. Like you, you can't tell me if Mike Trout wasn't a professional baseball player, they wouldn't be a pro athlete in something else. Frank Thomas could have played football, could have played tight end probably in the NFL. Yeah, I'd, I'd make Trout a safety. 
Uh, does that even exist anymore? Inside linebacker, some sort of... Yeah, he'd, he'd play somewhere in the middle of the defense, most yeah. likely, if he was a football player, right? No doubt in my mind, he would have at least made it to the pros, if not been a great one. I just wonder if there is something in a body type that almost works against you at a certain point. Like, you can actually be too big. And I'm not saying the Angels did anything wrong by extending him. They did right by extending Mike Trout. You... This is the player you always extend. And people are having these thoughts now. Oh, Juan Soto, maybe we just want to trade for him. And maybe I don't want my team to extend Juan Soto. What's happening physically to Mike Trout right now has nothing to do with whether or not you should extend Juan Soto. I see Juan Soto aging. I mean, he he he, he plays like Miguel Cabrera. He's a, I, I think he may be a little bit more smaller than Miguel Cabrera, maybe a safer body type of a, a more, but I think he could end up like Miguel Cabrera, just not as much defensive value, but just always able to hit. You get to the end of the career for a player like that. And you're like, Oh man, this is brutal. This guy's just not a, not even a shell of the player that he used to be. Okay. But enjoy the ride. Enjoy the mm. next 12 years where he is one of the best hitters in the game for at least half of that time and a very good one for the other half before you get to the the late, late, late part of the career. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think, if your favorite team is the team that trades for Juan Soto, I don't think you look at that and say, oh, I'm worried about what's happening with Trout. Don't extend Soto. Don't, don't think like that. This is just an unfortunate thing. We don't know how bad it is just yet. We'll obviously learn a lot more about it. And I think you've got to be careful not to read too much into what the Angels do with Trout down the stretch because this is a lost season. I wonder if, if this also is a, a, a nudge for them to make some kind of long-term decision on Shohei Otani. Otani's a free agent at the end of next season. Does Otani even want to stay with the Angels, given what's happened so far while he's been there? I, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions about that, and I don't expect him to get moved at the deadline. But if we had a trade deadline where Juan Soto and Shohei Otani were both traded, I think we'd have a shot at the best trade deadline of all time. <laughs> that would be nuts. I like I that would immediately like two teams would just empty out the farm systems. Like it would take the most the most ever. It would be the biggest trades ever. Uh, I was talking to an executive recently that thought that, you know, prospects are overrated in the game right now, overvalued in the game right now. And if you do have somebody in your front office that says, Shoei Otati? Even for a year and a third? Yeah, man, that's going to yeah. be better than these guys, probably. Um, even even if these guys that we're trading hit their absolute ceilings, are they going to be showing up? <laughs> I also just I have I, I have zero belief that uh, Otani would stay. Like I think he wants to test the market, and I think he would he would want to leave. He's going to break the market. That's going to be the, the best part. I think it was, I heard, uh, it was Trevor May. Trevor May was on the No Bunts podcast. The uh, the No Dunks guys are doing a once-a-week baseball show. They had Trevor May on. We've had Trevor May on our show before. He's always a great interview. And he was just laughing. He's like, he's two guys. He's two players. He's he's going to shatter every expectation right. anyone's ever had about free agency because whatever he's literally two players in one. Add it to whatever number you'd give the pitcher. <laughs> and you go, oh, that's actually more money than anyone's ever got before. But it makes sense because he's two players in one body. It's truly amazing. The prospects being overrated in the game right now. I almost wonder if that's fallout from the lost pandemic season, lost development time. And massive gaps in terms of player development around the league. There are some teams that develop players really well and maybe have a good sense of who's a finished product and who isn't. And there's other teams that don't do that well. And I think that creates these massive swings in value with young players too. Mm. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, it's possible it's a, it's a temporary condition, but... There's also just, you know, there's all these buzzwords we're going to hear, team control, flexibility, roster flexibility, you know, I want to build the next great, uh, you know, I want to build the next great Tigers team, I want to build the next great Padres, you know, whatever it is, it's not going to be the Padres, but like, you know, the, the just the all these like sort of buzzwords, you know that that either they believe it or they're they're selling that stuff pretty hard to their owners. <laughs> You know, look mm-hmm. at these great prospects we got. Please, please give me, please, let, let me keep my job for the next three, four years. If I can sell my owner on a rebuild, I can keep my job for at least another four years. Yeah, well, how do you feel... do that in Detroit, though? We're in the rebuild. We're going to, I need another rebuild. 
Can you I think the problem is, <laughs> yeah, if you've already gone through it once and you didn't land where you wanted to, I think you're unfortunately in danger as a front office of just being replaced, which stinks. They, that that they're humans being removed from jobs, having yeah, their lives calling, not calling uprooted. Anything like that, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not into that. I'm, I'm not into the fire fire these people. It's just more of a the writing is on the wall in Detroit. The rebuild is not going well. There's probably going to be consequences for the people that have been putting this together. And to be fair, if you're running a team, there has to be accountability. You know, sure. you have to, you have to, you have to fire people sometimes because you, you just have to, you, otherwise you just become complacent. The A's lead the league in organizational tenure. They, their people have been with their, with the A's forever. I don't think this is a good thing. I think with the A's, they're in this, this new valley they've never really been in before. Like they've, They've played the middle a lot. They've been bad on occasion, but they've reached a new bottom, right? Like they have fallen, they've fallen about as far as they've fallen at any point in the last twenty years. You know, they've been they were making the playoffs a lot. You know, was it bad then? Uh, I would say yes. <laughs> the coaching was not amazing, uh, and that you have to have you have to have metrics other than made the playoffs uh, when you're kind of assessing your organizational value. You've mentioned this, that you don't really like their farm system right now. And I think they've got, looking at James Anderson's A's list right now, I think he's got five prospects in the top 200 on his list, zero inside the top 50. When you're as bad as the A's are at the big league level, and you don't have one or two prospects in the top 50, I think you're missing the mark. I think the Montas trade is really important for them. A Sean Murphy trade is really important for them. The Loreano trade is really important for them. And if they don't, if we go, if we go, let's let's say a year from and now, fra- right? Prospect yeah. graduations, all these things happen. You get a mm-hmm. year ahead from now, and they've still only got one prospect in the top fifty, and they're still really bad, and the organization doesn't have good depth yet. Then something is fundamentally broken. I think what they were asked to do as an organization was pretty different. This was rip it down to the studs and that's not what it's been in the past i think it also is an argument for the murphy loriano and montas trades actually happening because in the past you could say well all those guys are in the contract for next year they always try to be good in any given year well they did not try to be good this year they did not spend the 30 million they normally spend and so and they have no prospects so i think you know you take advantage of all those years of control that those players have and you get the very most for them. I mean, when was the last time that someone traded a catcher with like four or five years of team control that was as good as Sean Murphy? It's not the Dodgers were never going to trade Will Smith. Never. Yeah, I mean, how much time did Real Muto still I guess have Ruiz left? Is Ruiz, but Ruiz wasn't established like Murphy. And, and Ruiz, frankly, is not as good as Murphy right now. Murphy barrels more. You know, Murphy is a top three framer in the game. Yeah, Murphy's Sean Murphy's a really good player. He's a really good player in a bad situation. I'd say Loriano is a good player in a bad situation. But I look up and down. I could see the Giants trying to go after Murphy. I don't even see players on the depth chart that I look at and go, that's a future big leaguer. That's a future starter. In Oakland? Yeah. No. It's that, awful. That's what's bad for me. It's like you know, it's like like as and just to let you inside like hovering and, and writing and being in the clubhouse like usually when you're on a rebuilding team you identify the two or three players that you're like oh these guys are gonna be good and i remember you know seeing matt olson and matt chapman and i you know i i got fairly you know tight with matt olson over time and you know you, because you put the effort in you try to connect with them you talk to them you know off the record a lot and you know you try to establish something I don't, I don't know who to do that with. I would like to do it with Murphy, but catchers are super busy game day, so it is actually a little bit hard to 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 kind of get in with them a lot. So I just end up hanging out with Lowry and Loriano and and Voter and, <laughs> and and wait for the next great players to come in. You know, part of this is that with the super tank approach the A's are using, you do get a couple of one one picks, and that can turn your farm system around pretty quickly. You can cut the line a little bit so you can, you can get away with some of your past mistakes. They, they bought another catcher, uh, Daniel Susak this year. And then Tyler Stevenson was their last big pick. That might be their best prospect other than Shea Langley. Oh, Soderstrom. Yeah. Tyler Soderstrom. Tyler Soderstrom. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another catcher. So <laughs> I got three catchers. And so you're looking at Murphy, like they've got three catchers behind their best prospects. Three of their four best prospects are catchers. So, 
We are going to go. Obviously, a lot likely to happen between now and our next episode. We'll, of course, be back on Monday. You can find us on Twitter. Eno's at Eno Saris. I'm at Derek Van Riper. All the coverage of the trade deadline will be available on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash rates and barrels gets you in the door for just a dollar a month. If you've got a question for us for a future episode, of course, you can tweet those our way or you can email them to us at rates and barrels at theathletic.com. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.